Today, our sermon series continues on security. And today, we're talking about having a secure line, something that we all struggle with, right? You know, I'm losing you, I'm losing you. Or (laughs) if you're part of us doing our improvements here on our sound system, learning that, you know, it comes down to just a wire in a cable. It can be that simple sometimes or that difficult to isolate. And so, uh, yet, because of that, because of that small little thing, you can have major complications and major trials in your life. And today, it is my privilege to help us overcome through the power of the Word and through God's incarnation to have a secure line. And you're going to hear me use a lot of telecom information and stuff because it's just an easy one, folks. It's just... It's just so easy to go there. So, so we'll get there. But turn in your scriptures to Psalm 40. And as we do so, I do want to share with you that it's not just a challenge of technical abilities. There's a story of a, uh, of a lady that had many years of experience. Very gracious, southerly lady. Uh, and she was preparing to go on vacation to a campsite in Sarasota, Florida. It just conjures up so many ideas, doesn't it? And she was one who loved to be organized. She loved to be ahead of the game. She was kind of an isolated individual. But again, being a southerner, she had an incredible... Uh, focus of politeness, right? And so as she was writing to the uh, camp master or whoever it was in charge of this site, she wanted to ask a delicate question. She really, truly wanted to have a wonderful experience, but she was worried about the bathroom facilities. So much so that she wanted to verify that the toilet was always available and that they were clean, right? We, we can understand that, especially going camping. But she was raised to be very polite and very... So she was having problems. She couldn't bring herself to actually write in this correspondence the word toilet. So she was going to write uh, bathroom commode, right? Thinking that was better. That even got to her. That was even hard for her. So she just abbreviated BC. So she wrote this long letter asking how the BC was there at the campsite. When the campmaster received the letter, for the life of him, he could not figure out what this lady was talking about. So he asked his staff, and uh, one of his staff said, you know, I'm guessing based off of kind of her age and her location, the only thing I can come up with is Baptist Church. And so he wrote a letter back to her just trying to comfort her that, you know, all of this would be taken care of. She, she need not worry. Let me read his response. Dear Madam, I regret very much the delay in answering your letter, but I now take the pleasure of informing in that the BC is located nine miles north of the campsite. 
and is capable of seating 250 people at one time. I admit it is quite a distance away if you're in the habit of going regularly, but no doubt you will be pleased to know that a great number of people take their lunches along and make a day of it. They usually arrive early and stay late. The last time my wife and I went was six weeks ago. It was so crowded we had to stand up the whole time we were there. It may interest you to know that right now there is a, soup, a supper plan to raise money to buy more seats. They plan to hold the supper in the middle of the BC. So everyone can watch and talk about this great event. I would like to say it pains me very much not to be able to go more regularly. But it is surely not for lack of desire on my part. As we grow older, it seems to be more and more of an effort, particularly in cold weather. <laughs> if you decide to come down to the campground, perhaps I could go with you the first time you go, sit with you, and introduce you to all the other folks. This is really a very friendly community. My friends, communication is important. We need to have security in communication. Turn with me to Psalm 40 once again as we look at the theme passage to this sermon series. A beautiful psalm written by David that speaks to the security of knowing the Lord. And we're going to look specifically in context to he heard my cry. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon the rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Amen. One of the beautiful things that we need to take from this in context to what we're looking at thematically today is that David, the writer, the psalmist, is speaking after the fact. Right? Past tense. He heard my cry. If you know anything about the life of David, you know that he suffered many things. You know that he walked, according to his own words, through the valley of the shadow of death. And yet he feared no evil. Because he knew that his God, his Lord, was walking with him. He knew what it was like to cry out in a clear voice. And see the Lord respond and set his feet upon the rock. Amen? This is one of the reasons this is our thematic verse. It's one thing for me to stand up here and talk ideologically. It's a completely different thing for me to hand you the evidence of a transformed life right out of Scripture. Giving testimony that the Lord heard his cry. Turn to 1 John 5, 13 through 15. 
We're going to be in a lot of scriptures today. And as I do so, um, oh, okay, there we go. So 1 John 5, 13 through 15, we're only going to reference this now and at the, begin, at the end of the message, so I want you to hold on to it. I'm not necessarily going to teach on this specific verse. The entire message is in context to this scripture. What I encourage you to do is write it down, highlight it in your Bible. Because if we truly want to have secure communication with our Lord, then we really need to know how all of this works. First John 5, 13 through 15. John says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Who is he writing to? Those who say they believe in God. That's the church. That's you if you believe in the Son of God. You believe in Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm writing these things that you may know that you have eternal life. You're going to hear that word over and over today. That you might know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. Right? Confidence. Security. That if we ask anything, there's that communication if we ask anything according to his will, he what? He hears us. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. We know that we have the requests that we have asked him. That's a big promise, isn't it? Does that really, really work? Well, let's get into Scripture today and not ignore the challenges in front of us. So the first point today, 1 John 5.15, you see that. First point today is how important is secure communication, right? How many of you have been inundated with spam calls? The, the one I really love happened to me twice this week where I call back the number, right? And, and so uh, this individual wanted to know it, how my direct TV service was going, and, and if I had any complaints. And I'm thinking, uh, let's just clear the air, folks. Clear communication, I don't have direct TV. So I decided this poor guy probably gets raked over the coals nonstop by people just hanging up on him. So instead of hanging up, I'm going to engage in valuable communication with him. And I said, yeah, you know what, I'm really not satisfied. Because I, I, I kind of wanted to know, what makes you think I have DirecTV? And, and, and he said, well, sir, can you tell me what part of your DirecTV you are having a problem with? I said, the aliens. He said, the aliens, sir? I said, yes, it is nonstop stuff from Mars on my DirecTV. His response, I kid you not. Sir, if you could just wait a minute so I can access and refer to my manual as to how to answer your question. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm just kidding. I don't have direct TV. 
And he actually laughed. <laughs> he actually laughed. He said, thank you, sir. I'm going to have a good day now. <laughs> oh, gosh. The things that happen, spam calls, bad signal, texting versus email versus phone, there's always problems no matter how we try to communicate. Aren't there? So how important is secure communication? Have you ever been on a very important phone call and all of a sudden it's cutting out on you? Or your battery died? And you're dying to find out what hospital your daughter's going to to deliver her baby. That didn't really happen. I'm just trying to make you feel it. <laughs> or when you're texting, you accidentally text the wrong person the wrong message. That doesn't work out very well sometimes. And let's not get started on email. We don't have time for email. Clarity is the goal. Jesus wants us to know him. Turn to John 14. And we're going to look at Jesus' words here. This is fascinating, my friends. Jesus wants us to know him. Let's start there. How important is communication? How important is secure information? What's fascinating is when I hear myself ask that question, I'm thinking of it in my own terms, aren't you? Would you ever think in context, and obviously the underlying issue here, my friends, is prayer, is it not? It's prayer. And the challenges that we face in prayer, usually I'm thinking how I want to have a secure line to God. Listen to this. John 14, and I'm going to go verses 5 through 4. I've got 6 through 7 up on the screen to emphasize. And remember this statement. I'm going to have it up there throughout most of the message. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. But let's look at John 14. And, and you, you have some of it up on the screen. But I'm going to read 5 through 14 in its entirety. So this is an interaction with the disciples, and this is the famous passage where it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? And, and we know to go to that, but, but we're trying to figure out, okay, why was he saying that, right? Let's really understand what Jesus is trying to communicate here. So that's the context of where we pick it up. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know. We do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Great question, right? Great question. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wait, Jesus, I don't know. I, there was a little static in the line. That sounds a little arrogant. I'm sure you didn't really mean it that way. Uh, you're, like, you're more like... Uh, Hey, you know, I'm going to have a party for like three years, and if you just show up, you know, you can, you can be part of the party, and, and if you just drop this name or that name or the other name, you're good. You can get in the door. It's all good. Jesus, that's what you meant, right? No, he's, this is in the imperative tone, folks. Remember, Thomas says, how are we going to know where you're going? How are we going to know you? I let, let me be really clear, Thomas. Right here, Thomas. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. Some men experience eternal life through good eating habits. Lots of hummus. Good donations to the temple. Is that what he says? No. Thank you for picking up on that. No one, no one comes to the Father but through who? Jesus Christ. So we usually stop there, right? But can, should there, should there, should there be any confusion with Jesus' words there? I think he's communicating clearly. And yet we have all this dysphoria about how someone can experience eternal life. Even to the sense of how it is preached, how it is taught. We say you can substitute in this, you can substitute that in. You can be saved because your family knows the Lord. You can be saved because a priest prays over you in your last few minutes. You can be saved by doing all these good works. I've mentioned about six different religions right there. I'm not really sure how we have so much ambiguity with what Jesus said there. And so I'm having a communication issue because I'm taking too long on this point. So let me continue. He says what? Then Philip, oh, uh-oh, Philip's speaking up now. Thomas, Thomas doesn't get it. He gets things wrong a lot of the time. But now Philip, kind of the more wise, more of the wise gentleman in the room, pointing to our beloved Philip Bedros. Philip now speaks up and he says, Lord, show us the Father. Show us the Father. And it's enough for us. You know what? I heard what you said, Jesus. I, I hear you, but if you could just show us that's good. That's clear communication. How many of us are exactly that way? You know, Jesus, I understand that you've asked us to pray. I've under, I understand that your words are that we are to walk in faith. I understand how you talk about your promises and how you... But man, if you could just have a Christophany in front of me. <laughs> if you could have an epiphany, right? That'd be enough. Except it wasn't enough. You see, this first point has everything to do with the incarnation. Jesus, God, coming to earth, and yet even his own disciples still couldn't see it, still couldn't get it. And so look at Jesus' response, because this is where we need to learn why secure communication is important. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Have you ever felt that way about relationships you have? And you're wondering why that person doesn't get you. You think to yourself, I have made myself vulnerable. I have sacrificed for you. How on earth could you get confused about my expectations or my character? Brothers and sisters, it's an innate roadblock to being human. It's part of our DNA to just stumble around in confusion so much of the time. And so Jesus is responding, 
Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask, here it comes again, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Lord, put 15 Oompa Loompas in the front row. Go. No Oompa Loompas. Scripture's now discredited. Now, you're all sitting here saying, there goes Pastor Jeremy again with these really ridiculous illustrations. I'm just repeating what you're thinking. Maybe not Oompa Loompas. But I chose Oompa Loompas because how ridiculous are we that we don't understand what he is clearly saying? To ask in Jesus' name is to do the will of the Father, right? To ask in his name is to do the will of the Father. And so I go around and I start asking for things that have nothing to do with his will. And I receive nothing. Then what does that do to my faith and my security in the information in the scriptures? It's eroded. Why did that happen? Because I did not have a secure line. I wasn't listening. Jesus was clear in his communication. I was not, what, quick to hear, slow to speak, or slow to anger. Let's move on. How do we define secure communication? Well, kind of the idea, I'm going to go with the carrier where I have no dropouts, right? No confusion. I've got full confidence in the message very important, John 21. Flip over a few pages to John 21. Again, one of my favorite passages. I probably reference it way too much because I love it. But uh, if, you, if you hang around here for a little while, you're really going to understand what John 21 is all about. And so again, here we are in this situation where we're asking now, how do we define secure communication? It's defined by understanding. Right? That as I ask, I ask because I understand. I would not receive what I desire if I were to ask my wife for a box of Krispy Kreme donuts every Friday. I may think that's unjust. I may think, well, maybe she just doesn't love me enough. And yet, you're all able to make the connection there, right? Stop asking for things that are killing you. But this is what we do, right? So how do we define secure communication? It's understanding. I have a deep and resounding understanding never to ask my wife that question. Only on Thursdays. All right, John 21 <laughs> 15 through 19. Let me, uh, 
Let me throw up the key verse here that I want you to see. I'll go ahead and read the entire text, 15 through 19. It says this, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, son of, <clears throat> Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Yay, let's keep eating fish, and then let's go for a jog. Not the end of the conversation. Peter seemed pretty clear, didn't he? Yes, Lord, I love you. Concise, precise, no ambiguity, no questions. Jesus wasn't done securing the line. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Do you remember this as children or teenagers or adults? Being told multiple times how to do something? Wait, you're confused. You're, you're a little blurry on what this goes like, so let me help you out. Uh-oh, he's moving. This is going to take 10 minutes to explain. If he moves out from behind the podium, this is going to be a long one. Folks, this is the one where you start rolling your eyes while the person's giving you deeper instruction, deeper clarity, and eventually all you hear is Charlie Brown's teacher going, wah, 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 wah. This is what you call an irritating conversation. And it was extremely irritating to the point of being grieved for Peter. See, sometimes communication isn't just about the surface approach. Having secure lines with the Lord in prayer has everything to do with understanding perfectly what he wants to communicate to you. Amen? What was he trying to communicate with Peter? Peter, I know what's hidden here. And by the way, I'm going to say this in front of all your friends so they realize what I'm doing as well. It may be painful. You may not want to hear it. But I'm going to be crystal clear here that I am reestablishing your authority. When I said you are the rock upon which I will build this church, I was serious. And even though you denied me thrice, I am letting you know my work on the cross covered that sin. I also know that you love me. It's evident. And that's what I want communicated for all to hear. Because of your love for me, you are qualified as my servant. Amen? Do you have to be perfect to be God's chosen servant? No. You've got to be somewhat perfect, but not totally perfect. Jesus goes to great lengths so that all there, including Peter, can understand what his intent and what his will is. It's so important how we define secure communication. This past week, let me give you some clarity. This past week, or last week, I was talking about secure uh, instruction, right? 
And first of all, I have to clarify, it was, it was a little chaotic, and I did not have my notes. I found out I wasn't going to have the PowerPoint, so I downloaded the PowerPoint onto my tablet, and I'm working off my PowerPoint. So when I started quoting things uh, in the middle of my sermon, there was about a, a five to eight minute soliloquy on the challenges of how do we wrestle with the authority of Scripture? Is the authority of Scripture true in our lives or only in certain areas where it's convenient? And so I mentioned things such as the challenges of, of what COVID-19 has done in our lives and, and where we're getting this information. I mentioned things such as, uh, and my illustration was going to be something on critical race theory. And so several of the things I need to come correct so that you hear and get secure communication from me this morning. Number one, I misquoted information that was on my notes, but I couldn't see, so I'm going by my memory, and I only recognize three of you, so I have a horrible memory. Don't ever go by anything I say by memory. But I had misquoted that the Hong Kong flu was a million people in the United States that had died from the Hong Kong flu. That is not true. That was worldwide. So I'm just correcting my mistake there. The other things that caused some confusion for individuals were a statement I made in lieu of not being able to show my illustration. I was teaching on scriptural authority. I was not teaching on racism. I was teaching on scriptural authority, and I had intended on using this video about critical race theory and how that compares to the gospel and a biblical worldview as my illustration. So since I had that or didn't have that at my fingertips, I made a demonstrative statement just to be concise and precise and move on and transition to the next thing, which was, we will never fix racism. And I think what was implied was this side of heaven. Now where my mind was, was the authority of scripture, which is in Romans, where Paul talks about all of creation is groaning, the creation is futile. That sin will be here until the Lord, what? Returns. And then it will be what? It'll be fixed. Now, there were some that took that and could easily take it. That pastor's given up on approaching racism. Or that pastor is upset uh, that uh, people are staying home and not going to church. And he's mad at people. And that could easily be understood from what I was saying last week. So let me clarify. It is a true statement. We will never fix racism this side of heaven. We also won't fix abortion. We also won't fix lying. We also won't fix murder. And I can go on and on and on. Does that mean we do not try? Absolutely not. We are to be light to the world. And I'm simply going to be concise and precise here. I just taught on how to approach the challenges of racism. January 17th, go back, watch that message. Because I share with you out of scripture, out of the gospel, that the problem we have that's inherent to racism in so many other areas is a human condition of the heart. Where my frustration trying to help us understand reliable instruction 
is that the world keeps coming up with these plans. You know, I would think after the Emancipation Proclamation, everything would be fixed, right? It was very well constructed, not fixed. I would think after the Civil Rights Movement, everything would be fixed, right? Not fixed. Do I believe that individuals can change through the power of Jesus Christ, but also through sensible and constructive thinking? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do I believe people are changed? Absolutely. Do I think that that will eradicate all of these problems, whether it's murder, lying, adultery, racism, selfishness, pride? No, those will be with us until the Lord's return this side of heaven. Now, I can say that based off of the scriptures, the reliability of scriptures. That's how scriptures define it. But I can also say I can look at the world around me and all the attempts to fix these problems, and they get some traction. We definitely are better than where we were in some, some ways. But there is a reason we have to keep going back, and we have to keep giving solid instruction, and we have to be clear in our communication. The other issue that caused some consternation last week was um, my very pointed challenges, and I say pointed, it's, it, I think I actually did this, right, <laughs> to my studio audience that's out there. Um, I said a couple times during that, that segment, again on secure lines, secure communication, that there are many reasons, legitimate good reasons for individuals to be staying home. My week, I had said goodbye to four people from this congregation in one week. Never happened to me before. I will just share with you that the enemy may not be the constructor of COVID. Please, I'm not a... All right, I'm not going to wear buffalo horns and paint my face red, white, and blue and, and wear animal skins and, and bellow. Okay, I'm not that guy. What I'm saying is that the enemy looks at everything even to the fruit hanging on a tree to use to his advantage. And I'm telling you, you heard some frustration from my voice and my tone last week. You heard it. The reason is, is that my sheep and all these other pastors' sheep are being misled. Not all the sheep. See what I did right there? See, I didn't have very clear communication, and I just fixed it. Not all the sheep, but there's definitely an effort to get people distracted and moving in different directions where they're not saying, God, what is your will? And I can share that with you in a very affirming way that that is the truth of the conversations I had with three out of the four people. And, and one of those individuals doesn't go to our church, but they were part of another church and just decided to stop going to church because they don't see any reason to do that. They can have church online. Brothers and sisters, the angst you hear in my voice, and I'll borrow that word from this week, the angst you hear in my voice, and let me try to communicate clearly on this, comes from the fact that we need relationship. We need relationship. 
The Bible says something about where two or three are gathered together, right? That does not mean electronically. Now listen, listen, all you electronic perisher, per, perishers, per, secure that line, belay that comment, parishioners. Now I lost my point. That does not mean that if you're watching messages online that that's sinful or that's wrong. But when we stop engaging, because I have people here that are weeping because they feel alone. Now I'm yelling at people again, aren't I? No. I'm not yelling at people. I'm yelling against the enemy. I want it to be clear. I'm yelling to my God. And he hears my voice. There will be a path for each one. Turn to Romans 14. My wife brought this up at our life group this week, and I encourage you all um, to get involved in life groups so you have that community. But Romans 14 gives us some very, very good understanding on this level. How do we have security that the Lord hears us when we cry out in prayer? Remember Psalm 40? Well, number one, we got to dial the right number. In so many ways, we are reaching out to the wrong things to satisfy our hearts and our lives, our difficulties, and we're not seeing anything change. And so let's dial the right number. I got a spam call this week, and so sometimes, at this point, if I hang up on you, I think I did it on Philip this week, right? Because it was just a number. It didn't say Philip. I get hit eight, nine, ten times a day now. Thank you, Samsung. Let me be clear. I had an LG. I never got a spam call other than maybe once a month. Went to Samsung, boom. Everybody's my friend. <laughs> Coming from AT&T. <laughs> I got a spam call, and, and I just... And then I thought, ah, I think I recognize that number, so I call it back. So if I think it's like someone I might know... I call it back. And it's a person. And I'm, so I'll say, now you guys are going to start calling me with somebody else's phone is what you're going to do. <laughs> just to test this theory. And, and so I, I, I said, you know, hi, someone from this number just called me? No, I didn't. This is how bad the spam callers are. They're using your number to bounce their message. Can't tell you how many times I get involved in it. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Who are you? I'm reporting you to the police. You're reporting me. Why are you reporting me? I've got your number, you know. I've got your number. Got to dial the right number. If you want to have a secure line with the Lord so that you're able to hear him, which is one of the key challenges to our prayers, right? We feel like God's not hearing us. You got to dial the right person. Search him out because he's here. And he gave promises that if you know him, no. Remember that word, no? If you know him, you're going to start praying how he wants to lead you. When you do that, you're going to see those answers. You're going to hear from the Lord. Dial the right number. Measured response based on caller ID. Right? So when, when you're talking with someone, you got to kind of know what the message is and where the message is coming from. 
And are you really who you say you are if you want to really hear the right message? Does that translate for you when it comes to prayer? Romans 14, let me get to it really quickly here. Um, You know, in context to all these areas that are gray areas in our life, right? How do we have these conversations? And and I'm going to do it again. My wife is shaking her head, don't, don't do it. I'm going to do it again just because this is an illustration we can relate to, all right? And so I can be really crystal clear, I'm not wearing a mask now because I'm allowed to stand up here and talk, but when I go over there and I sit down, I'll be wearing a mask. And thank you for all of you who are wearing masks out of love for one another and obedience and care for one another. And I know many of us don't really enjoy wearing those masks. Some of us really need to wear a mask, right? And, uh, and so in looking at that, We have this big debate going on about masks, and it's causing people to leave churches. This is why I was so upset last week. Listen to the communication. It is crystal clear. Paul says this because people are arguing over who's a real believer, who owns the corner on the truth on this issue. And it had to do with traditions and practices, not salvation issues. One of the great things about the evangelical free church is that our motto is major on the major and minor on the minors. That's kind of what Paul is saying here. Pick it up in Romans 14, 5 through 6, I'm going to read. It says this, One person esteems one day as better than another, while other customs all days are alike. So what Paul is saying, hey, there's some of you that really appreciate the Jewish traditions of, you know, the, the Day of Atonement, and we shouldn't ever lose that. We should celebrate that. And others are like, it's just another day according to Jesus. So he says, this is what you're arguing over? Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Well, what does that mean? I'm pretty convinced about the traditions I want to hold to, Right? He goes on and he says, the one who observes the day, observes it, and here it is, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. And then down verse 10, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Paul is saying, why are you arguing about pointless things? Look, when it comes to whatever thing you want to be convicted about, pray about it. Search out God's will. And if it's a non-salvation issue, then you are free to hold your position, right? But what are we not supposed to do? Do not pass judgment on your brother who holds the other view. That's the part where I hear a gigantic, earth-ripping amen. Oh, that was, that was paltry. I'm not convinced of anything. We, we're going to teach on this for two months. Now I'm getting somewhere. 
How do we have security that the Lord hears us when we cry out in prayer? Familiarity and continuity. Familiarity and continuity is so desperately important. Let me wrap up by saying this. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I can give you all the instruction in the world on how to pray and, and, and give you step-by-step levels of how to improve in your prayer and how to recognize the Lord's voice. All of that is worthless if you don't start here. If you do not start with the faith that it, Jesus is that answer, he is the way, the truth, and the life, if you do not start in that area, if you do not start with faith, you're never going to hear from God. You're never going to see his answers, right? So this is where we start. Now, the beautiful part is that there's this promise. I'm going to use my fancy laser pointer, right? He rewards those who seek him. He rewards those who seek him. What a beautiful idea, right? Psalm 40, he heard my cry. He rewards those who seek him. So this speaks to really what I think is the lion's share of why we don't have a secure line with God is that every once in a while we just do some mass marketing call to Jesus, right? When we need to complete a sale. We're not really getting to know Jesus. We're not having continued dialogue. We're not searching the scriptures on, on how to understand his character and recognize who he is. I've got to seek him. I've got to seek him. I've got some young people in the room. Let me run something by you to clear out this point. And that brings us to our last point. Uh, for those who are younger in the room, you probably thought about dating somebody, right? When will I start dating? <laughs> when, what is it going to look like? <laughs> the dad is saying no. No, they're not thinking about that. The first thing you should do is have a great line of communication with your parents and ask them what they think the other part is how many of you, let's just get to the point, how many of you would be interested in just signing up for online marriage? Right? I'll just put my name down and uh, connect me up, computer, Hal, right? Just connect me up and we're good to go. Yeah, you, there's a reason you're laughing. Because you want to get to know the person. You need to understand their character. Amen? You need to understand their heart. You need to understand how they would walk through a challenge. Where is their joy? What is their purpose? And how on God's green planet are they going to be your partner? That's what dating should be about. We need to do that with Jesus Christ. Rather than just dial up every once in a while just to check in. I'll be home at 11. Everything's cool. Click. 
Secure line, how can we be secure in our communication with each other? We need to practice the one another's. Colossians 3 is a great passage on this. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. This is how we communicate clearly. You want to not have broken communication? We all know what that's like, don't we? Practice the one another. There's a myriad of other scripture I could give you. And by the way, this is exactly what Jesus did with Peter in John 21, and he does with all of us. Right? This is why we love the character of Jesus. We want to clearly hear from him so he sets our paths that we're able to pursue for righteousness. Amen? Even this week, as I said some things last week that were unclear and caused a lot of consternation for some individuals, I'd already chosen this scripture as our last point. But what a beautiful thing that instead of sitting and stewing on bad communication and the impression of what some individuals thought I was saying, they reached out and asked to communicate more, to have a secure line of communication so they could truly know what the leadership of CBC was truly talking about. In, clo in closing, I have this question that we've heard over and over. Can you hear me now? Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me close in prayer. And then part of our communication efforts, since we have not been around each other in so many ways, is we're starting a new thing here at CBC called I Am CBC. And we know that many of you have stories to tell over the past year. And they're very different, but they probably share some of the same components. So Justin Hamilton started with, a, with kind of a beta test of this early on, and I got some great responses towards that. So we're lining up people from Concord Bible Church to do little short testimonials about what God has been doing in, through, and around them during this past year. And so when I close in prayer, we're going we're gonna to hear from someone on that level. I pray this morning that you're encouraged. If there's any confusion about what I shared, please contact me throughout the week. Actually, forget it. Just call Philip. <laughs> he knows all. He sees all. Let me close in prayer. Father God, thank you for the clarity of your instruction. And as we seek to pray and find the value of prayer and be able to know you hear our cry, I pray, dear Lord, that we are slow to, slow to speak, we are quick to hear, and slow to anger. That we might truly start dialoguing with you because we know you and we recognize your voice. That we would not be discouraged in reaching out and sharing our hearts because we think you're not listening. I pray that these words this morning, assembled from your scripture, speaks to hearts and brings clarity. I say these things to the glory of God.
and by the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.